listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm RJ live in Las Vegas, live on a Tuesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Fez in tomorrow. It's me and Jonas today. And it's a chance for us to pull up to the mic and do a little deeper dive without all of Fez's shenanigans. <laughs> we love him. And we've actually got two sound clips, two sound clips. He's got some insight, actually, on these we'll be sharing. It's a good breakdown day. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm a pro. He's the Joe in Los Angeles, Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we can see the Masters coming very, very quickly later on in the week. We've got a recap of Monday Night Football and a win for New England. What is the Vegas lead here, though, on this Tuesday? Monday Night Football recap and New England downgraded off this win that's going to be the lead yeah and it was an afc east battle so to speak it was not the prettiest game in the world but it was the new england patriots coming back to beat the new york jets 30 to 27 was the final from metlife a big road win for the patriots last night on monday night and the lead is and this is where vegas quite frankly is different And it's what I think is great about Vegas. We always say sports fans, even if they don't bet, they want to be smarter than their buddies. Well, this is a great example of that. The New England Patriots won the game and they have been downgraded. Las Vegas, the Vegas perspective is that New England is worse than we thought off of what we saw yesterday. Downgrade. The Jets lost the game. They've been upgraded. Fezzik, for example, in his power ratings, a full point downgrade for New England. Now, typically, in a given week, he doesn't downgrade any team more than a point. Now, sometimes maybe, but not. it's very uncommon. So literally, we're saying that almost as big of a downgrade as any professional better is going to give any NFL team, you know, let's say the Tampa Bay Bucks. They got obliterated Sunday night. Downgrade maybe a point, maybe a point and a half. Maybe it takes that much to win a game and be downgraded a point is one of the more extreme things you're going to see. And the Jets upgraded a half a point. Jonas, as a fan, let's start there. Uh, Do you think more or less of New England, more or less of the Jets? 
I think a little bit less of New England, but I still think it was a feel-good win for Cam Newton. One of those, hey, you know, good for them. They won the game. That was that was my takeaway from it. But it's clear they're just not a good football team. The Jets, the Jets aren't good either. But the Jets were in total control of that game until late, and New England just does what New England's done in the past and seemingly always figured it out. But you can just look up and down that team. They're just not very good. Getting burned on big plays by Joe Flacco. Um, you know, the, the ability to, to only, you know, pick up a few yards at a time, uh, these real long methodical drives, which are, are effective at times, but no real threat downfield, Cam Newton missing throws. So, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest game for New England, but they'll take the win, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, that's the easy part. Um, I mean, you'd rather win than lose, right? That's where we start yeah. the conversation. I would say this, we, we should have maybe had a little music a little intro music when you were saying the Jets are, you know, they're not good. It's like, you know, I, I know Skip Bayless, and we'll have a little bit from Skip later. Uh, he's big on the something, you know, the hot takes over the top. But, you know, you're going right there like Jets aren't good. That's kind of the master of the obvious, wouldn't you say, Jonas? Oh, yeah, no, I was just pointing out, you know, you asked my thoughts on no, it. And no, that no, was no, no, no. The Jets aren't a good team. I, <laughs> I'm just saying it's an understatement because to me, this is, <laughs> and having fun with it, this to me is, I mean, let me ask you this. Can you think of a team in the last five years that's been worse than this Jets team? No, I, I and I thought about this looking at their schedule. They're zero and nine. I don't know if they win a game this year because you you can look at three games where they'd have an opportunity. They're all at home against Miami and and Vegas, and both those teams are playing really well now. And then you get Cleveland later on in the season at home. I I think it's more likely than not that the Jets go zero and sixteen this year. And I think this zero and sixteen is zero and sixteen team is worse than the Cleveland zero and sixteen team of a few years ago. Yeah, I I tell you that Cleveland team and the wise guys. The Sharps were betting Cleveland a lot that year. And in general, if you have a team which has zero wins, historically, at past a certain point, and, you know, tomorrow I'll have that. I'm gonna, I'll re, uh, brush off the dust of that research and freshen it up. But I can tell you most certainly, if you have zero wins, it is something that the team is really cognizant of. They're very aware. They got that big donut, and they want to win a game. Yeah. I mean, it's like, because you don't literally, if you go 0 for 16, you're going to be in that that smallest list of the worst teams of all. And even if you're not that bad, though, again, the Jets may be, it still puts you on that list. And I, 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 I would think it, player would want a Super Bowl win more than they would not want to be on this list. But you really think about it. What is the Super Bowl is saying that year you were the best team. It doesn't even say that you were one of the best teams of the decade. It says best team that year. If you're on a list with, you know, what is it? Three or four uh, you know, or three or so other teams, right? Tampa Bay, I think, was owned 14 and 76. The Cleveland team was 0-16. Didn't the Lions go 0-16 once? Yeah. Yeah, the Rob Marinelli. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, like, you would be, like, the fourth team on (laughs) the most inglorious list in maybe sports, <laughs> right? Because no one really remembers in the NBA, oh, there's that nine-win team or what. You know, I know NBA fans 
kind of know, but I don't know. I think it's nine wins or something. But you know, we just were able to rattle off the 04 NFL teams, at least in yeah. the fairly modern era. You know, fourteen <laughs> games or more. And it's yeah. also because every week it's a buildup to another loss. And then you focus on that one loss. In the NBA, you can play back-to-backs or you can play, you know, four and five days and and you can get the bad taste out of your mouth. But this one, you've got to sit on a loss for an entire week, 16, 17 weeks in a row, and there's no other outcome other than you losing a game. It just, it's it's almost like you're on a standalone stage every single week and everybody's just seeing, are you going to lose again? And then, you know, there's only been a few teams that have lost every single week and the Jets Look they, they, like they might be the next. And I'll tell you this. It's funny. Every time there's a really bad team, the tendency six, seven, eight games in is to say they can't win a game. But what we saw last night is probably a pretty good indication that they can. I mean, because you, you literally look at the second half. So various sites have a win probability. So what that is, is based upon their computer algorithm, given the current circumstances, you know, third quarter, 10 minutes left, down three, ball in the 40, what is the chance of that team winning? And after every play, they adjust it and adjust it. And it's an actual fascinating thing because there's a lot of ways to actually assess, um, like, what was the truth of the game? Because we've seen the Bears have a game or two early this year. We've seen the Cowboys against Atlanta where the team that won felt like that was not the team that should have won. But in the NFL, you get your win. But by looking at the win probability, you can say, yeah, but if all things, if this game was kind of played 10,000 times, what would happen at each of these stages? And the entire second half to the very end, the Jets had a better than 50% chance to win this game. Uh, at one point, it looks like it was getting into the high 70s. You know, So think about this. You got almost an 80% chance to win the game if you're the Jets and you lose the game. The question is, is that because, you know, as happens, right? Or is it because... The Jets are the Jets and losers lose. <laughs> and Belichick is Belichick. And yeah, he's lost some games recently, but he doesn't lose. He loses less than 50% of the 50%ers. You know, the coin flip games, Belichick tends to do really well. And the Jets tend to do, at least under Gase, and for a long time, I think prior to that, they tend to do poorly in the coin flip games. The mathematical question is is that luck or is that skill? And it's also, I think, and, you know, I haven't seen the odds yet, but I'm going to look for them between now and tomorrow is, and McKenzie and Research, if he can find them, great, is they always put up the odds on a team going 0 for 16. And they're never as, it's never as likely as you think. Like my gut feeling is you're going to be getting probably 3 to 1 on the Jets going 0 for 16. So at those odds... And let's just estimate now, you would love the the yes. Oh, yeah. Just looking at their schedule, yeah, I would take the yes. Especially after – if you can't win that game last night, I mean, they were up, what, 10 with six minutes left? 
Uh, Flacco throws that interception. Uh, they get the ball with an opportunity in the game tied to, to go down the field and try and win the game themselves, and they go three and out and then end up losing. Like if, if That felt like the game they could get. Because in most games this year, they've been somewhat competitive, but they just haven't really had a, a legitimate shot to win those games. They've been blown out a lot. This one felt like it was right there for the taking, and that Flacco interception, and with about six minutes left, it just it, they just wasted away. And, and Belichick, like you said, in a, in a tight game, I don't know that there's any coach that I trust in the history of football than Bill Belichick. In a tight game late, I just feel like he's going to figure it out if the game's close. And I mean, and this is quite frankly an interesting kind of two sides of the same coin because you saw the Patriots and you could make the case given the givens, meaning how depleted this team is both from, you know, Brady's departure, but I'm not so sure how big that is, you know, where Brady has looked pretty good. Cam hasn't. So maybe in hindsight, it was bigger than I thought it might've been. Cause I wasn't, you know, to me, I probably thought, you know, this is a mitten that I was wrong, and I, I want to always try to be candid. If you would have asked me to bet who's going to have the better year, just purely statistically, uh, and then I would have probably negotiated for a little bit of an edge just because Tampa Bay has so many playmakers. But other than that, I thought Cam, maybe the way to say it is in the exact same situation, Cam in Tampa Bay or Brady in Tampa Bay, or flip it, Cam in New England or Brady in New England. I kind of would take, uh, I'm sorry, Cam, I would have, would have in both those cases. Now I wouldn't. I think there's just something wrong with Cam. And maybe it's something, the COVID, and he can recover from it. I don't know. But, boy, it's been a while. And I guess I, I, oh, good. Well, no, I was just also going to ask you, um, the Patriots are three and five. If Tom Brady is on this Patriots team, is their record any different? Because I don't think it is. I think it might be worse. And here's why. And I can't argue with that. That's because I believe that if you look at the first game, I think it was against Miami is Cam ran the ball 15 times. Yeah. And that was pretty much saying we're in a COVID year. We didn't have time to put everything in with a new quarterback. But and look how bad the Bucs looked in the first game against the Saints. Right. So it kind of makes sense with a new quarterback. This was going to be a tough first game of the year, even second game of the year. But by running a college type offense, which is what I think it's fair to say, uh, New England ran in that first game. They were and that includes having a running quarterback. That was vital. And I think Belichick, you look at that Raiders game. And then you look at this game, I mean, it almost feels like this New England team, you know, and let's give Collins some credit. He was really down on this team. Now, I think they're going to win more games than Collins thought, but still, he thought that they were trying, literally, were going to tank. Now, to me, it seems like the, the Patriots have actually done the opposite, where they've won some games. You know, that first game they were in control of, but man, it was a tight, it was a tough win. And that Raiders game they were in control of, but to me, it's just Belichick is able to take these games. And when the other team doesn't have massive talent advantages, he just schemes them to a win. And every game they've lost has felt like, and in the Denver game being the exception, it felt like it just was clearly the better team on the other side. And I think with Brady, not only would his lack of running have been an issue, but I think his he's so used to winning. And remember, Belichick has had many years he hasn't won with the Browns, 
early on with the Patriots, but Brady's been a winner his whole professional career that he started. He won the Super Bowl the first year he started. So he isn't used to not winning. I have a feeling with Brady's, and I want to get your thoughts on this, his inclination to lash out at others, it could have really become combustible. You know, him going five, let's say, you know, six and ten. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, and last year we saw him get frustrated. He and he was frustrated while they were winning games. I mean, they started off what eight and zero a year ago, and, yes. and were the were the talk of the NFL. He was frustrated as they were winning games. And this offense and, and, and the amount of weapons they have on offense, I think, has only gotten worse from a year ago. So it stands to reason that he would be in even a worse mood on the sidelines dealing with this team. So that's why, yeah, I can't argue if, if you believe that they would have a worse record with Brady on this current Patriots team than they do now. I that's Jonas Knox. I'm R.J. Bell straight out of Vegas. Last question for you, Jonas. The, uh, the Patriots had a huge advantage in time of possession. Um at the end of the game, that's when time of possession is supposed to benefit a team. Oh, the defense is tired. Just with the eye test, do you think the Jets giving up so many points late had to do with fatigue, had to do with how much New England controlled the ball? Yeah, I think there was some of that. They also, the Flacco interception, I think it was the first play of the drive, Flacco threw the pick, and the defense had to go right back out there again. And so you could just tell, um, it just felt like New England was going to figure out a way to make plays, and Cam Newton converting on that, I believe it was a third down uh, to Jacoby Myers to set him up for the field goal. And and a lot of teams who may have burned timeouts trailing late, Belichick still had all three, and he still had another one in the bag for that situation, and it set up the long field goal and they end up winning the game and last question just pretty much just yes or no is if we replayed this game in a time machine and sam darnold was healthy and started do you think the jets (laughs) do better or worse i don't think they do any different Mm, i think they do much worse because if you actually look at flacco's qbr he had an outstanding qbr so I mean, to me, it was kind of like a heavyweight fighter's last, you know, I don't know. But, I mean, this could have been his last chance against his nemesis in a way. Because, remember, Baltimore, New England had a lot of battles. Uh, to me, I got off the game. I really liked the under. I like different things. But I got off the game, as you heard yesterday, because I didn't want to bet against Flacco here. Where most games, I would. But I felt like he felt like this might be the last hurrah. And he did perk himself up. I don't know if he drank a lot of Mountain Dews or what. But <laughs> all right, let's do this. We'll take our first break. When we come back, let's talk about the other side of the coin. Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. Uh Uh-oh, things are getting combustible. That's coming up next, but first, Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. AutoZone has more ways for you to get what you need when you need it with their free same-day store pickup. You can place your order online and grab what you need today at more than 5,600 AutoZone locations. Get in the store. AutoZone, he's Jonas, or he's RJ Pell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight Out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm RJ Bell, and we're straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we have criticism from one coach on his quarterback. Oh, man, this, I got to be honest, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, this guy, and we got some good sound on it, too. This is a great day to join. This is the fastest-growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. 
Thank you so much for the support. We're going to work really hard to continue this great football season. We think hopefully the best yet. You can listen on, you know, let's do the FoxSportsRadio.com. Now, there's two ways up there. You can go and just hear it streaming, 6 o'clock Eastern, or you can find out a local station in your area. We're on 225 of them here in Las Vegas on the Strip. 57 degrees. Neon is pumping. So, RJ, following the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' blowout loss to the New Orleans Saints on Sunday night, head coach Bruce Arians had some comments regarding Tom Brady's performance and some of the throws that turned into interceptions for Brady. And uh, Bruce Arians was not too pleased with some of the performances by Tom Brady on Sunday night. (laughs) You know... Sometimes it's funny when when someone's a kid or they're on a college radio station or, you know, who knows what Internet radio, they're thinking, oh, we got to cover this story because it's a big story. What they should be thinking and what we try to think is what can we bring to the table that hasn't been brought to the table? Because if you're doing a lesser version of what someone else is doing, what's the point? Just you hope they don't know about the other person? Well, that's probably not going to help, right? So we want to be the best at what we do. Well, when it comes to outrage, when it comes to indignation, we've got a little sound that I don't think that I personally can top. So we're going to start here. It's Skip Bayless reacting to Bruce Arians. This is just straight ridicule. <laughs> this is just disrespect here is just disgusting to me because I can't help asking this question. Who the hell is Bruce Arians? I ask that question because it deserves to get asked right here today. What has he ever done to deserve this? Who is he? How many Super Bowls has he won? I think it's a great question. I really do. I mean, Bruce <laughs> Arians is... I got his... Uh, resume, I guess you'd call it, his coaching history in front of me. And it's pretty interesting. And I mentioned this a little bit yesterday. Is usually, if you look at any coach's pedigree, his history, his, his uh, job by job, there's a lot of internal promotions. Right? Graduate assistant becomes a position coach at the same place, becomes the coordinator, then finally he leaves for a head coaching job. Or maybe he leaves a little earlier, comes back, goes from coordinator to head coach. His first year coaching was 1975. I think Richard Nixon was still in office. Maybe not, but just, you know, just a, you know, President Ford. And literally up until the Steelers, he had never been promoted within. Now, the Steelers, he was the wide receivers coach in 2004 through six, and then he became the offensive coordinator, and then he was fired. So the one job he ever got promoted from within, and who knows you, right? If you get hired internally, right? So Jonas, pulling back the curtain a little bit, is beloved within the FSR family, and the bosses especially, because, and this is the truth, this guy is a grinder. You need him at four in the morning, he's there. You need him at four in the afternoon, he's there. You need someone to put up with RJ, he's there. Oh, wait, that's a little, <laughs> wait, you're laughing a little too hard on that one, Joe. But the fact is, he, and, and it's funny because he's, uh, people always think of bosses as, you know, they're the, you know, the, the, the guys, you know, being hard on the workers and all that. And, and listen, there's some of that everywhere, I'm sure. But a good boss 
values a good team member as much, if not more, than they hate a bad team member because it's quite frankly rare to be that good. So the reality is Jonas gets those A's, A's pluses. You know, I give him a B plus once, but again, I'm I'm tough. (laughs) But here's the thing is – any job that Jonas has a reasonable chance for, he's probably going to get because they want to promote him. They want him to do well because one, they want him to have a good life, but two, they want to keep, you know, when someone's in demand, someone's quality. So why hasn't Bruce Arians ever been, or one time, one time, ever, and then fired, with it, for, promoted from within? I mean, Jonas, you understanding the world as you do, making your way from back east out to the big time, doesn't that kind of resonate that this is a guy that looks better from the outside? Yeah, and and the one time that he did get an opportunity was in Indianapolis when Chuck Pagano uh, went away because he had the cancer treatments, and the Colts played well that year, and he did well, and and he parlayed that into head coaching opportunities. Um, I didn't think about the not being promoted from within until you brought it up yesterday, and there might be something to it. And I like Bruce Arians. I know a lot of people like Bruce Arians, but maybe they look at him. There's a story when he got hired by Arizona that he was sitting down with uh, Bidwell, the owner, and in the meeting, the initial meeting to talk about the head coaching job, Arians would not stop cussing. Like, didn't even, didn't even think anything of it. Just that's just how he is. And I wonder if that rubs some people the wrong way uh, in NFL circles at, at certain places. Which is interesting because in the media, he's beloved. And yeah. I get it because the media wants a story, right? There's nothing worse. I mean, you look at Belichick. Belichick gets a lot of negativity from the media. I think there's two reasons for that. One, he doesn't give them what they want. Bruce Arians does. But I think with Belichick, it's something else. All these media guys, most of them, some of them, fancy themselves to be smart. And they fancy themselves of knowing football. It's like, oh, the the dumb callers, you know, and condescend to the dumb callers and all that stuff. Listen, I, I figure a lot of callers are dumb. That's why I don't take calls. But we do have a great audience. And when we do take calls, it's like shockingly insightful. We should maybe maybe take some more. But the reality is that these media guys are just so um, such underdogs against Belichick in any football conversation that they, they got to, in a way, tear him down. Because otherwise, they'd have to say, well, I'm going to give you my football opinion. But in truth, if Bill Belichick was here, he would give you such a different opinion. That's why are you doing, in a weird way, why are you doing this then? Kind of the same reason I'm not going to scream and go crazy because Skip Bayless is going to do it better than me. It's not my style, though sometimes I get close. So... Back to Arians, though, and we're straight out of Vegas. He's beloved by the media for whatever reason, beloved by a lot of fans because he's, you know, a straight talker. And then he's also beloved because apparently he loves to, you know, or he seems to not have a problem golfing or drinking beer when Belichick's working. And everyone appreciates that except the teams he's a coach for because they don't win. They haven't. I mean, he hasn't made a Super Bowl. He hasn't. I mean, I don't understand it. And you talk about the Colts. The guy, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going by memory. He won coach of the year, right? And he, yeah, he, I, I think he, he did. And yeah. he left. Yeah. Meaning, meaning they said, oh, thanks for your service. So, uh, you know, I guess we could dig into like when he was OC. Because I'm looking at his, that was 2012. And it's saying he was offensive corner slash interim head coach. I, did both of those happen at the same time? Or was he the... Uh, OC and became 
the interim head coach? Because you think they would have put it slightly differently. And if so, in a way, you could kind of count that as another promotion, I guess. But now, all of a sudden, you win coach of the year, and then you don't retain a job. Like, no one really wanted to coach Arizona at that point more than they wanted to coach the Colts. Right. I mean, he yeah, he went to uh, he was actually in the running. It came down to the final two for the Bears job and the Bears chose Mark Tressman over Bruce Arians. And that's how he ended up in Arizona. I'm not sure that was a bad call. <laughs> I mean, I like that's that that was just the, the their decision making. They they went with Mark Tressman. Arians went to Arizona and, and had a good run there. But. I didn't have an issue, though, with him criticizing Tom Brady. Like, All right, so, being... so let's get into that. We're talking about the comments on Monday. Yeah, and, and he's talking about just the poor throws that Tom Brady made because they were asking him about it. And I didn't have a problem with it. And I don't think Tom Brady has a problem with it. I think, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I think, I think we don't give Tom Brady enough credit for being able to have thick enough skin to know whether or not he played poorly or not. And I think he would probably but agree on some of those throws. That's two different conversations. Now, this is a good, fair disagreement here. So I think we should hunker in. When, I want you to name me an analogy or an analog situation, a similar situation in which a quarterback is being critiqued on a throw-by-throw basis by his head coach in the media. Right? Like, imagine this. Let's use an analogy. Let's say Cam against Seattle, which came out a pretty good game. But you might remember... I said, boy, he missed that throw late. That was a makeable throw right over the guy's head in the middle of the end zone. Imagine if Brady came out and goes, I want to talk about five or six of Cam's throws that I think cost us the game. And literally they started dissecting the throw. Now, what he should have done here was look to the left flat, but then throw right. Like, it would be like heart attacks would be happening because you don't hear Belichick ever critique an individual player about anything, really. Like, he doesn't. But yeah. that's too extreme, maybe, or, you know, but the idea of a throw-by-throw critique, and, and I mean, have you ever seen it before? Because what you're saying is you don't have a problem with it, and I'm fine with that, except why do you think the other 31 coaches don't do it? Yeah, the other 31 coaches don't do it because Bruce Arians, uh, maybe to a fault, is brutally honest, and when he's asked by reporters about uh, what happened during these games following an embarrassing loss, he's got to let it be known. And I also think that there's some of this, and I'm not going to even try and deny this. I think that there's some of Bruce Arians. Look, all these coaches have egos. I think Bruce Arians, a a small portion of him, wants to at least establish nobody's above getting ripped. Nobody's above being criticized, even if it's Tom Brady. But why should Um, he be – why is – let me ask you this. I'm sorry to interrupt, but what percentage of the ripping has been about Brady and what percentage has been about his coaches, what percentage has been about himself, and what percentage has been about other players? Meaning I think it's been a vastly disproportionate amount towards Brady. Yeah, I would have to go back and look at every – the reactions after every loss. It's just the Brady ones are the ones that we talk about because it's gone public and they're a team uh, worth discussing this season because of all the storylines that have gone into the year. Plus, he, the he Brady, won't turn down a microphone. The guy know, won't it. not do an interview if he's offered. 
he's he's the one coach, and I've always, I've always told this story. When I was working on a morning show at Fox Sports Radio years ago, one of the hosts played and knew Bruce Arians, and this was when Bruce Arians was with Pittsburgh still. And he would tell me, hey, here's, here's B.A.'s number. Text him. See if he'll come on and do an interview. And Bruce Arians is the first coach that I've ever – to where he, he himself would text back and say, yeah, no problem. I'll be, I'll be right on. Yeah, no problem. And you we need, learned – You need me for the hour? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we learned that we had to tape him. We could not do it live anymore because he cursed every single interview. So we needed to tape him before shows or after shows to air the next day just so that we could edit out his cursing because the first time we had him on, he dropped like two F-bombs and we had to dump him twice on the air so we didn't <laughs> get in trouble. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> All right, well, listen, I think we're some meat still on this bone. Straight out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. AutoZone has more ways for you to get what you need when you need it with their free same-day store pickup. You can place your order online and grab what you need today at more than 5,600 AutoZone locations. Get in the zone. AutoZone. He, I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. All right, so last question for you on this, Jonas, is – and you're free, and I would enjoy it, actually – uh, you know, any days coming up, you want to, you know, go listen to BAs, <laughs> which I wonder about that. Is that A team related? Remember, I don't Mr. Know. T was BA in there. <laughs> That's you gotta, what he wh- called him. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, and it's, it stood for bad, A, you know, f- follow it out, is at least Mr. T's version did. But it strikes me that whatever percentage of the time the other NFL coaches talk about their quarterback, let's say we figured that out. It feels like to me, Bruce Arians is, is a media guy. And what media guys know is you want to talk about the hot subjects. Like Colin starts out with the Cowboys or LeBron or whatever for reasons. They got a lot of research to say that's what people want to hear about. So that's what they talk about. It's what a show's supposed to do. Now, Bruce Arians as a coach has a different agenda in theory than a media personality. He acts like a media personality. Maybe you're right. He talks about Tom Brady because he knows that's what people want to hear about. (laughs) But isn't that misaligned from what a coach should do, which is protect your aging quarterback? I think his problem is when they're asking him questions about Tom Brady, uh, he's the complete opposite of Belichick to where he will get into specifics. But do you think that's just honesty or do you think he's protecting his brand? He's been a brand guy his whole life. His teams don't seem to like him all that much, or at least the, the management doesn't, but the other teams do until they get him. And isn't that about media manipulate or not, you know, just being a good media guy. But isn't that kind of interesting? He's almost defending after a loss is not when you're supposed to spread blame. You're supposed to take blame as a coach. But he's worried about taking blame because he thinks the me- then all of a sudden the people are going to turn on him. He seems to be a PR guy instead of a coach. Really- yeah, and in the comments, he was really defending all the wide receivers. Like that, like they were. Or he they was were defending kind of, his own schemes because the question yeah. was, why aren't you getting the ball to Mike Evans? He goes, we are. He's just not making the throws. Yeah, I've, I've never heard a coach talk like that. I love it. <laughs> oh my god, you love it as a media guy. I you do. <laughs> all right, let's do this. Take our last break. We got some stuff from Fez, and I'm going to tell you why this Alabama LSU game, if it doesn't play, could really make a difference. There's one scenario; it'd be huge. That's coming up next. He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. 
I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And R.J., a blow to the SEC earlier today as it was announced that Alabama, LSU, and Texas A&M and Tennessee were all called off for this weekend as a result of COVID-19 concerns and also the testing and what it had done to the rosters for not only Texas A&M but also LSU. Yeah, and to me, what's the scenario that's the most interesting here and it's really a noteworthy scenario, is the idea of Florida is favored. And it looks like, by some estimates, I think this is, yeah, this is the ESPN index type estimate, is going to win the East 88% of the time. And with Alabama likely coming from the other side. So now, imagine the following scenario is Florida upsets them. In the conference final, conference championship. That happens. I mean, those teams will lose a game. Now, we got Clemson and Notre Dame likely playing in the ACC. And let's say now Clemson wins. And now we have Ohio State comes out. And again, they've got a very easy record. The Big Ten is down. Ohio State comes out of the Big Ten. So now you've got Florida in for sure. You've got... Clemson, in this case, in for sure, having won the title game. Ohio State in for sure. And now you've got a one-loss Notre Dame losing the last game of the year. And then you've got a one-loss Alabama. Who gets in? That's the question. And if Alabama misses a game against an LSU, it could be the deciding factor of the committee saying, yep, they didn't play enough games. What do you think? Yeah, I know. I still I look at the Notre Dame resume and I just think it would be stronger than Alabama's, especially at that point. And even though LSU is not a, a great team this year, that's still uh, you know that's still a win. That's still a marketable opponent. That's still somebody that you can look at and go, well, you know, they did beat LSU, and if they beat them handedly, which some people expected, and now they might not have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I agree, and I just can't wait for the time the SEC gets the disadvantage in one of these. So, <laughs> but let, you know, I've changed my mind on Alex Smith. Yeah, Alex Smith has been named the starting quarterback, obviously, after the injury to Kyle Allen this past weekend. Alex Smith, the starter for Washington, moving forward. He had three picks in the game uh, uh, last weekend against the Giants, but he did throw a touchdown over 300 yards passing. But Ron Rivera announcing Alex Smith will be the guy going forward. And And to me, the question is, and we'll get into this, I've been a real skeptic of this because I felt like, hey, he's no good. He's the worst quarterback in the NFL, and I think that's true. But is the comeback player of the year, because Alex Smith is favored to be comeback player of the year, is it about anyone that's kind of had a problem and then the best player amongst them? Then Big Ben is so much better than him. But if the real issue is the distance from where they were to where they came, just Alex Smith getting on the field is a miracle, and thus he would be the comeback player of the year. It matters the way you look at it. Straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. We are going to be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, you can check out the show on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 